Talk with Ben Tompkins. All right, it's 1 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, and we are in the studio. That dude, Matty T, is out of town, so we can be up late down here doing our thing. This is Real Talk. I'm Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days. We're grinding. One day that's going to change. And you know what? I'm not even tripping about it. I'm not worried about it because it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time, man. And when I have things go so well, like something that I'm going to get to in this intro, it really lets me know, hey, I'm on the right path. This is my thing. I'm a rock with it. I hope that you'll ride with me. And if you do, let me know by hashtagging I ride with Benny T. Please leave a rating and a review and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow along on TikTok at BennyTomp18 so you can see some of the clips that I'm doing, some of these videos that I'm doing with my writers. You can also follow along on social media, um, Instagram at BennyTomp18 or the Facebook page for the show and the Instagram account for the show is at RealTalk.com. W Benny T. We've got such a great episode for you today that I'm I'm just like I'm so excited because there is a lot of great content on today's episode and I'm feeling really good about what we're doing and where we're at, where we're headed and I just Oh, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. How you feeling? How you feeling? Hey, fellas, how we doing? How we doing? We're doing pretty good. All right, we're doing pretty good. So, this is going to be a great episode. And uh, I hope that if you enjoy it, then you'll share it with somebody, send it to somebody, and spread the love, baby. Spread the love. Send me your Uber stories. I would love to get that segment rolling and get those featured on the show. So you can send me your Uber stories, and you can also send me your life advice segments. Basically, what I'm doing on a lot of these rides is life advice, and if you don't get the chance to ride with me, or if you're not in the same city as me, or you don't even live in the United States, then you can email me and be like, yo, I need some real talk, man. Hit me with that shit. Hit me with that shit. And I got you, dog. I got you, okay? So either hit me up on any of those social media channels. You can DM me, or you can also email the show realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com. I'll keep them all anonymous and we'll get that featured on the show. So, I want to go ahead and give you the descriptions for the stories so you know what you're getting today. We've got some really cringy audio. We've got some great audio. We've got some inspiring audio. We've got some funny audio. We've got a lot for you today, and I'm really, really excited. For the first time in 1,572 rides, I kicked somebody out of the car. I had to end a ride early. And this first story on today's episode is called Lifetime Ban because that's what these bums got. Man, I have had people tell me that they're high on meth before. I've had guys offer to blow me in the car. I've even been in a spirited debate with a rider about differing, very differing, political and social views where we literally had our voices raised and we were arguing with one another. And yet all of those rides still ended more amicably than this ride right here. And the thing is, I give these people multiple chances to act right, and they drop the ball every single time. So I cannot wait for you to hear this conflict. Conflict is very good. It's very juicy. It's some drama, and we've got some really good stuff to start today's show. The next story on today's episode is called Lifesaver. Now, it's not every day that somebody says, thank you, you literally saved my life, but it is a pretty cool thing to hear, especially when, look, I'm a podcast host 
and a driver, right? It's not like I'm a firefighter or a police officer or a doctor or a nurse or a military member. I'm just a dude with a show and a sick whip. But I did hear that from a woman who was left stranded on the side of the road after a fight, and she was so out of breath when she got on the car that I actually coached her through some breathing exercises and just listened, just listened as she talked through what she was going through. The next story is called The Grumpy One. (laughs) Have you ever had a friend whose grumpiness is an endless source of comedy for everybody else in the group? We used to have a friend that that, uh, that probably knows who they are upon hearing this and listening to it, but every time we would get around this guy not every time but like sometimes he'd just be in one of those moods where he was just kind of grumpy but he was the funniest one in the group because he was just going to be at people's throat all day long roasting people throwing hot ones left and right sometimes you would miss it if you weren't paying attention he would just say stuff under his breath these people are hilarious and one of these people and her friend gets in the car And one of them throws out a hot one, and we just erupt in laughter. This is a pretty funny one. The next story is process of elimination. This is advice that I give to a fellow entrepreneur who's just about to graduate college, and it's advice that I probably needed to hear at that age, and I feel like a lot of people who are either post-grad or about to graduate, or honestly, anybody from 24 to 54 could probably stand to hear this advice as well. I've got a handful of quickies that are pretty funny. And then the final story on today's episode is called Whiskey Lullaby. This story is one that unfolds like it's a country ballad. I mean, we got dogs dying, cars crashing, custody battles, jail sentences, all of the hallmarks of a sad-ass country song. But through this writer sharing his story and being at a loss on what to do when it comes to his daughters and making up for lost time, I give him some really good advice that I think any parent who's got a strained or a distant relationship with their children for whatever reason can benefit from hearing. So we end with some real talk. This week was really fun. The last few weeks have been really fun. I've had a lot of really great rides. Not all rides make it onto the show, But I continue to enjoy doing this and meeting new people and connecting with new people. So I've had a really great couple of weeks and I'm going to take a couple minutes here and talk about a pretty cool opportunity that I just had before I jump into this first story because I'm still on a list of people that ESPN and Ming Entertainment reaches out to when they're coming to the area and they are doing a broadcast of any kind of sporting event, but mostly football, basketball, that kind of stuff. And recently, I got an email from somebody with Ming saying, hey, we need a couple of runners. Are you available to work the Louisville and UCF game? Could you work on Thursday and Friday? Help set up, be there on set, and then Friday, obviously game day, going to be a long day. And I saw that and I was like, yes, absolutely. Because here's the thing. Dude, a runner is cake, and honestly, I would much rather be that, even though you don't get paid as much as utilities, and I've worked utilities on past broadcasts, but the last time that I worked a broadcast was 2018, and it was when Florida came to town and was playing the 2018 Cats, who were like the 10-win season, Cash Daniel, all that, and uh, I think pretty sure Josh Allen was on that team, really, really good game. 
and I got to be a part of that crew, but I was working utilities, and my cord coiling skills are pretty rusty. I've done it a couple times. Each time I've done it, I've had to learn basically on the fly that day, and I just feel like I'm kind of a little bit more in the way and not really as much of a help as I'd like to be when I'm doing that. But being a runner, dude, my... my <laughs> My jobs and tasks were running up to Walgreens or Walmart to get lithium batteries and going grocery shopping for the crew and getting everybody snacks, filling up ice coolers, merchandising all the snacks, setting all the snaps up on the table, um, yeah, making sure all the coolers were filled with ice, running up to the booth if the guys up there needed anything, and just kind of being a binny on the spot. And I'm like, dude, I can easily do that. That's perfect. I would love to do that. And I just show up and bring the energy. And I had such a blast getting to do that. And what's funny is that the two main producers that were there, Colleen and Chris, go check out my man Chris's podcast at the Hitmen Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow him at Labeled and Known. He's got a pretty dope podcast, The Hitmen Podcast. They do sports, pop culture, really, really good stuff. But Chris is like a guy that I would have wanted to connect with and impressed had I been working this job, had I still been in sports journalism trying to make that my career. There would have been this pressure for me, like there were on these previous broadcasts, for it to go well, for me to try and network, for me to make the right introductions, shake the right hands, impress the right people, hopefully get invited back. And, you know, when you're young and naive, and especially when like ESPNU Campus Connection came to Kentucky and I did my thing with them, and then being on that broadcast in 2018, like right as I'm in the midst of, that was before I started to go on air in the afternoons with my sports radio show, I'm looking at that opportunity as oh my God, I've got this really tight window to try and impress some people and make some shit happen for myself. And going into that, with that pressure, it was like, dude, you're, 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 you're looking way too deep into this. Like whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And most of the time, dude, I'm here to tell you that it's probably not gonna happen off of that one time, right? It's kind of rare. It's kind of rare that it happens like that. But the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, that coming into this with just the attitude of, I'm going to show up, I'm going to bring good energy, I'm going to get whatever these people need, and I'm going to stay out of the way, like I'm not starstruck or awestruck by being a part of a broadcast or working with ESPN personalities or... Um, you know, taking a bunch of selfies on the field and kind of being like the fanboy or girl. Like, no, I've been here before. This is awesome. I'm so thrilled that I get this opportunity, but I'm not overwhelmed by the moment. I'm just going to be here, be myself, and I can't wait to show up and do it. And what's funny is that through doing that and taking that approach, I ended up connecting with the people that I would have hoped to connect with. Because on Thursday where we're still setting up everything and, and really getting situated that first day. Uh, it was later in the day. I hadn't eaten lunch. Most of the crew already had. And Chris, one of the main producers, also hadn't had lunch yet. And we were like two of the last people. And it was like, hey, do you want to go and grab lunch? Sure. 
you know any good spots. And uh, I took them to uh, Mama's Soul Kitchen over in Shawnee. So good. So fire. I mean, the wings, they got these crispy, crispy chicken wings. And I had some uh, green beans and some mac and cheese. And they give you a little bit of cornbread. It was pretty good, dude. It was pretty fire. But we end up sitting and taking like probably like an hour hour and a half almost lunch because of the time that it took to get there and back from Cardinal Stadium. But we took a long lunch and it was later in the day, so it didn't really matter. And we ended up connecting, like really, really connecting. And I've never done this before where I've listened to my podcast in the car with somebody and had somebody listen to it. But he was like, yeah, I'm going to pull it up. Like, we'll pull it up and we'll listen to it. I'll give you some feedback, you know? And he pulled it up and we started listening to part one of Columbus. And I'm telling you what, as as kind of uncomfortable as it can be to sit there and listen to yourself in the presence of somebody else, I just kind of sat back and I was like, yeah, that is me, you know? That's pretty good. I have, I'm, I'm proud of that, you know? It was a little bit cringe, a little bit. But at the same time, I was like proud of the work that I had done and sat there like, yeah, this is it, man. This is, you know. And the funny thing is like he laughed out loud a couple times. He gave me good feedback on the fly. He made a comment that I I really took to heart, which was that, man, to keep that energy for 15 minutes, like, dude, that was a good intro. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Like he was really, really digging it. And I ended up listening to his podcast and giving him some feedback, which he asked for. And he was like, you know, I, I, I like you're well spoken. I can tell you really work at this and like you're invested into what you're doing and it shows. And I, I value your feedback as well. So I ended up listening to his podcast. And that's why I'm saying like I wouldn't have plugged it if I really didn't think that it was that good. Like I honestly think it's pretty fucking fire. So go check out the Hitman podcast and shout out to Chris Densmore at Label the No. But It was funny that it worked out like that and it felt like we really hit that bond in that first day because I wasn't trying to. It was just like, I'm just being me, you know? I'm just, this is just me on a Thursday, baby. Like, what's good? What's going on, you know? And we really had a good time. And then on Friday... Friday, like Thursday, we I, I showed up. I was there at like a little bit before 8 a.m. And we stayed till about 5.30. And then on Friday, being game day, showed up. Call time was around noon. And I was probably there until about 1.30 on Friday night. It's a long day. You know, you get to the game. And then honestly, once you get to the game, that's kind of when you're like, whew, okay, like finally we're we're good. Like we're on air. This plane is taken off and now we're just kind of cruising, making sure that nothing goes wrong, but we're just going to land this baby in three and a half hours and then break the stuff down and we're out of here, guys. Great job. High fives all around. It was a great game and I got to be on the field for the game during the game, which was the first time that I've ever been on the field for a college football game, like a major college football game. And experiencing it on the field and hearing the crowd and hearing the third down when the bell thing happens and it's like, everybody starts to get up and you just feel this energy rise from one part of the stadium to the other. You see people start to stand up and it's like they're doing the wave, but everybody's just standing, right? And you see the people in the front start to fill up and stand up and then 
all throughout the stadium, you see this wave of people just, and you're just right in the middle of it. And it's loud down there on the field. You can feel it, and it's intense. And I was just in heaven, dude. I was just absolutely in heaven getting to experience that. And I uh, I really had a good time. Um, I had to run up to the booth a couple times during the game. I had to make sure that there were plenty of ice in both the coolers and drinks and um, did that, no problem. And then I got to be on the sidelines for an awesome game. And I think the best recap of the game that I could have possibly given or, or that I gave at the time was I thought they were going to lose and then I couldn't believe they were winning. And then they threw the pick and I thought they were going to lose again, and then the pick six happens, and I couldn't believe that they won. And I think that's probably as as best as I could put it. During the game, I got to uh, run into Vince Tyree, the athletic director of Louisville. He was on the field for the game. And I actually teased this at the end of one of the last episodes because I went down and watched the Cards game against Ole Miss down in Atlanta with my family. And when I was flying back, Vince Tyree was sitting right next to my sister on the Delta flight. I teased the story. I don't think I actually told the story. Sometimes I'm notorious for that. I'm sorry. But I look across the aisle and I'm sitting in one aisle seat, and my sister's sitting in the other aisle seat, and then right next to her is Vince Tyree and, um, I believe, his wife. And I lean in, and I say, hey, Vince, how you feeling after that game? And to his credit, I mean, these guys are just like the most polished speakers, politicians, however you want to phrase it, but... He just gave a very well-spoken answer about being more encouraged by what he saw in the second half of that game rather than the first. And I asked him, are you still having fun? And he said, oh, absolutely. And he gave me the thumbs up as like a, all right, man, you know. And I was like, okay, awesome. And then I went right back to working on my Uber stories and cutting up audio. And it was really cool. And uh, I got to see him again standing on the field and I took that opportunity as one to formally introduce myself. And I said, hey, Vince, how's it going? He was like, hey, how you doing? And I said, hey, my name's Ben Tompkins. I was on the Delta flight with you uh, coming back from Atlanta. And he was like, Ben, yes, it's good to put a name with a face. I know who you are, but uh, yeah, it's good to finally formally meet. And I said, likewise, likewise, yeah. So we talked about the game a little bit. And um, I thought that was just really cool. I was like, oh my God, this guy knows me. He said he knows me. The athletic director of Louisville just said that he knows who I am. And I'm not even really... I'm not doing sports anymore. So that's kind of cool, you know? Hopefully he knows me in a good light, right? <laughs> but that was that was pretty cool, you know? I'm I'm like sitting here like, wow, I'm not even trying to be the sports guy and yet here are all these beautiful things that are going right, going well for me. The athletic director at Louisville just said he knows me and uh I can't wait to get back in the saddle tomorrow and get back to the Uber stories, man. And then after the game, this was my absolute favorite part. So the cards win. All that stuff is amazing. I'm almost done with this intro. I swear to God. Okay. But I run into some old friends, some very old friends, some very dear friends, guys that I have a lot of respect for, and uh, also just some industry guys that are in the media here in Louisville. 
and I got some really great updates that made me feel very warm and fuzzy and honestly left me feeling like Michael Corleone in Godfather 2 where he's sitting there and all of the enemies are being taken out and he's just kind of like, good, 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 you know? He's just watching all of these people just get taken out and kind of fall off and he's just like, sitting there like he won. He got the last laugh. And I got a couple of updates and a couple stories about some people from my past that uh, honestly, yeah, I'm petty. I'm keeping score, okay? But it's, it's, it's not even worth naming these people and giving them that airtime on this show. And it's not even that they occupy any space in my head at all. But hearing some of the stuff that I did about some of these people, it just made me laugh and smile. And when I hear that my former competitors and people that I would have wanted to be giving me looks and, and be on notice, when I hear that they're just shooting airballs these days, God, that just makes me so fucking happy. God, that just makes me so happy. Now, is that petty? Yeah, it's petty. Yeah, I'm fucking petty, you know? But, hey, oh, well, you know? And it's it's funny because it's like I'm hearing stuff, and the person who's telling me this stuff is like, you didn't hear about this? You didn't know about this? Are you serious? And I was like, no. I mean, honestly, what do I fucking care, you know? Somebody wants to try and... Uh, do whatever they're going to do, but they end up shooting a straight air ball. It's just like, <laughs> thanks for the airtime, my friend. Thank you for the airtime. And hearing some of these conversations amongst uh, a couple of these guys and just hearing the politics and the things that they have to deal with and honestly, just a bunch of bullshit, it was exhausting just listening to it. What they can say, what they can't say who they can joke about, I mean, just like having to walk stuff back that you look at and you're like, that really wasn't even that critical, and it's just like, man, I am so glad that I am not trying to ascend within this realm because I would be such a miserable prick had I gone that route and had certain things worked out for me like I hoped would at the time and that I thought was the end of the world when it didn't. I am so glad that they didn't work out and everything happens for a reason and hindsight is 2020 and all of the cliches they apply because oh my god i just feel so validated i feel so vindicated and i really really took a lot of pride getting some of the feedback that i did over the weekend not only from chris and the people on the crew that really appreciated my hustle and my hard work and um also from, you know, some 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 former industry people that work in the media that uh, gave me some feedback on some stuff that I was doing and some uh, missed opportunities that people had that they dropped the ball on and you know it just it was just like God damn dude that's fucking awesome man that's fucking awesome and the thing is like yeah I care about it enough to get excited about it and a little bit emotional about it. But I don't care about it enough to really make it a big deal on this show or go into a big segment about it other than just mentioning it. And then you know what? I'll go back to never remembering who these people are again. That's the game that we're playing. And we're playing for keeps. You feel me? You feel me? So I'm I'm just I'm thankful. I'm thankful for where I'm at. 
I think that when things go so well like it did, I mean, it, it honestly couldn't have gone better. It honestly couldn't have gone better. And running into my friends and some of these guys that I saw after the game and getting all the information and the, and the juicy piping hot tea that I got, it was just like, oh my God, this is just like, this just keeps getting better and better and better, dude. I left on fucking cloud nine. I left on absolutely fucking cloud nine, man. So really, really happy with where we're at. Really, really happy with what I'm doing and really, really happy with where we're headed. And you know where we're headed? Right into some Uber stories because goddamn, I got some hot ones for you this week. I can't wait to get into these. Please excuse the 25-minute intro, but here we go. Please enjoy Uber Stories Part 34. Lifetime ban. For the first time in 1,572 rides, I kick somebody out of the car. I stopped the ride, I said get out, and we ended the ride. Now, <laughs> it's amazing, okay, that it actually got to that point. Because honestly, I gave them as many chances as I could. And <laughs> there's a line in a Jay-Z song, in a verse, where he says, it says a lot about you if you're not feeling us. I've had people tell me that they're high on meth before. I've had guys offer to blow me. I've even been in a spirited debate with a writer about differing political and social views where we were literally voices raised arguing with one another, but yet all of these rides still ended more amicably than this one did. And by the end of it, we were both like, you know what? I disagree, but I respect your opinion. And, you know, for the guy that offered to blow me, I was like, ah, I'm okay. But even then, you know, when the people are high on meth, it's just like, hey, we're cool. We're cool. There hasn't been a single ride in 1,500 rides that I've been like, you know what? We need to cut it short right here. Let's hit the eject button. This is over with. And yet, these people got every chance to act right, and they dropped the ball every single time. So let's tell this story. It's a Saturday night around 11 p.m., and I pull up to Z-Bar, which honestly tells me everything I need to know about this group, and I'll circle back to what I mean by that statement at the end of the story. So there's two girls, and there's three dudes, and one of the girls is a little bit bigger, and all of the dudes are pretty sizable from like a muscular standpoint as well, okay? There's really, I mean, one's kind of scrawny, but like the other two are pretty stocky guys. And I'm looking at this group, and I'm like, man, there is no way that we're going to fit four people on the bench in the back. If everybody's going to squeeze in and fit, which, by the way, I'm really not supposed to do because everybody's supposed to have a seatbelt, okay? But I've been there before. I've been that group of friends that's like, oh, God, I hope they're cool so we can all squeeze in. And usually when that happens, as is the case with anybody that's ever done this, if you've ever been in high school or college and had to fucking get in an Uber and pile in there, you know that it's just the rule the girls are lapping up if there are girls. And if there's guys, smallest guy gets laid across everybody's knees in the back. That's just the way that it goes, okay? So I make the suggestion that these girls lap up in the front, and because I'm, 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 I'm like, dude, there's just no way that we're going to fit four people to this bench. Well, 
the girl refuses to listen to me and almost acts appalled that I suggest that they lap up in the front, even though there's more space to do that riding in the front seat than there is in the back seat, and especially behind my seat because I sit kind of far back, but she refuses to take my suggestion and she cops an attitude about it and then she proceeds to lap up in the seat that has the least space available, meaning she's crammed up against my seat and everything that she says is basically right in my left ear because her face is right next to the window, okay? So everybody's getting in and you'll hear me in this clip like, why don't you just lap up in the front? Like, I don't, I don't really understand this, okay? I'm a little bit annoyed because I feel like I'm doing them a favor by letting them squeeze in because I'm like, hey, my car, my rules, right? Like what I say goes, But she doesn't listen, and then when she actually goes to lap up, she reaches for the back of my seat to leverage her weight and position herself on her friend's lap. But instead of grabbing the back of the seat, she grabs onto the headrest monitor that I have, and I hear it kind of slam down, and I go, hey, man, don't fuck up this car. And I'll admit, listening back to this clip, I was a little bit surprised at how sharp my tone is. Okay, Sometimes I can be a little bit sharp in tone. But you know what? I don't feel sorry because you've already kind of been disrespectful and you're not really doing what I ask. And then on top of that, now you're yanking on stuff that shouldn't be yanked on. And I don't want shit to get fucked up. So nice for what? You know? Well, (laughs) she doesn't take too kindly to being called out. And as the guys get in and everybody is situated, the guy who takes shotgun and is sitting next to me is kind of looking at me laughing like he's amused at, at what's going on. And he's kind of shaking his head at the girls, and I start laughing at this guy in disbelief. I'm like incredulous, right? Well, the guy sitting behind him makes a comment about the screens in a breaking balls manner, kind of egging things on a little bit. And I respond to that in a pretty similar fashion, which the girl is also not a fan of. So she starts mumbling under her breath, which again is right by my left ear since her face is right next to the window and basically on my shoulder. And she's on her friend's lap, so I am hearing everything that she's saying. And I'm not sure if the other guys in the car could hear her or not. You can hear parts of what she's saying in this clip, but that's why you'll hear me say, like, she's so salty because she copped this attitude and she didn't want to let it go. And I'm just getting all this negative fuck you energy penetrating inside the walls of my beautiful car. And I just can't sit there silently in situations like this. You know, we're not just going to not talk about it. In times of tension, my thought process is always, hey, let's break this up. Let's talk it out. I want to try and laugh this off. And maybe by addressing the mood head on, we can get to the part where we apologize and say it's cool, no worries. And then that's that, right? We move past it. Well, that is a thousand percent not what happens. We never get to that place of understanding and mea culpa because her loser boyfriend with something to prove starts to get confrontational and then it just starts going off the rails. And I'm just going to play this clip from start to finish so you can hear this five minute cringe fest in its entirety. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I mean, y'all two could lap up in the front and they could sit in the back. Not lapping up. Who's lapping up? You two? Here, sit in my lap, Jeff. Just go over there. No, y'all sit in the front. Who's sitting lap? No one's lapping in the front. Here, I'll sit right here. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Hey, man. Don't fuck up this car. Who's fucking up the car? 
be my easy on those screens. Get my lap. I'm not Keep your leg the there. Yeah. No, we won't touch him on square. Hey, why don't you guys lap up in the front? Everyone's fine. We're good. We're I don't right understand here. why they don't want to lap up a shotgun. You should have just bought a bigger. <laughs> I don't know why. Fuck. Oh, oh, Damn, right. we got these screens back here. I know. It's it's fucking hacked. Got that. the ink on all your shots too, bro. Yeah. Literally nobody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, a cool Uber for the first time in three fucking years. Just saying. She's so nobody salty. Fucking so I'm not even trying to be with you, I'm just... Why are you looking at me? <laughs> good night. Was the DJ in there good? Shit. We didn't even sit by a DJ. Wow. Why? Why are you going home? Where's it matter? What do you mean? Why does it matter? Really? I mean, where did the vibe go? Well, we hopped in a little-ass Uber. I mean, it's fine, it was an XL. It's I cheaper did, than the XL. I did. No, I did pay for the XL. Yeah. This definitely isn't an XL. Yeah, I did pay for definitely that. Definitely not. Hey, he's taking a piss right there. Hey, you better hop down and piss with him. Listen, no, we're cool and I'm and we're 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 good. But if you legitimately want to get aggressive, you guys can get out and this is over. Legitimately want to get I got aggressive because you were talking. No, you're getting confrontational. Alright, we're chilling. Because I was we're chirping. Good. I'm a, I was chirping and you were chirping. You were you you were. Yeah. Like, were you not? God, God, God forbid I have a word to say. No, well then say it, you know? Speak up and say it oh, instead of mumbling it okay. back there. For God's sake, dude. Oh my just God. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, we just ordered I paid extra for an XL. This ain't it. It's Uber fault, just saying. That, yeah, that's got nothing yeah, to do should, with me. We should have right. got into Uber in the first place when I said get out. We should have got out. Should have. Do you want to get out now? Because yeah, like, not in this exact moment. No, it's cool. No, I'll call like, any moment at right least, about now. At least right? go to a stop sign. I'd appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Or we 
can continue on. I'll take you where you need to go, yeah, just, like, and we're we, all good. Yeah, just, you know, like, like go, but just like shut up for a second. But just like take us where we need to go. Jessica, Jessica, that's not. Good. I'm trying to stay chill with you guys, man. I don't want fucking we're problems. Past that, we're just trying to get a decent. Really, really? We're, we're we're past that. We're absolutely past that. Man. Yeah. All right. Well then, I'm gonna go ahead and let you guys that's out. Cool, bro. Right here's a good spot. No, I mean, on the right no, side would be cool. No, no, no. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll Not take the, the right side whenever we can actually get out. Yeah. Thanks. You guys have a good rest of your night. Okay, thank Absolutely. you. Nice, on the right, Jess. Uh, have fun being an Uber driver, though. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I had to open my mouth again. the fuck out of here you bums first of all first of all you did not order an xl please stop saying that you just sound very fucking ignorant because had you ordered an xl uber's not just gonna fuck up and send you an uber x they would have sent you an xl so clearly you did not because i showed up and i'm not an xl so you did not order an xl you did not pay for an xl you paid for a fucking uber x okay second of all I'm not going to be told to just essentially shut up and drive in my own car. That's not how this is going to go down. Third, the dude says, we should have never got in in the first place. We should have got out when I said got out. Yeah, I must have missed that part listening back to that clip because not one time did that guy say, let's get out. We should get out. Nope, not not once, not once, but you know, in it's like it's funny. Everybody always like says everything that they did, and yeah, we should have done this, and we should have done. It's like yeah, but you didn't. You, you know, you 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 didn't actually say that. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but take it somewhere else, okay? Now the thing that bugs me is that I gave them multiple chances there to smooth it out and move past it, and. That's exactly what the dude says. No, we're past that. And I turn to make eye contact with him since this is the guy who says that who's over my right shoulder. I look him dead in his eyes and I'm like, really? We're past that? Really? And he's like, we're absolutely past that. Okay, so what you're saying then is that you want to be dropped off on the side of the road? Let me just get that, like, let me just be really clear about that, right? We're past that. So you're saying you want to be let out on the side of the road. Bet. I got you. Okay, I got you. And I love the part where the guy, as he's getting out, is like, have fun being an Uber driver, dog. Listen, again, just a low-life move. That says a lot. That says a lot about somebody. When somebody tries to undermine what you do as if I should feel embarrassed about being an Uber driver or that my value as a human being is somehow lower than his because of what he perceives my social status to be, for anybody else, I'd say that's a cheap shot. You know, when you get mad at like the waiter and you're in a disagreement with like a waiter or somebody that you perceive in society to have a lower social status than you, and you make a comment like that, like based on what the person does, like have fun being a waiter, have fun being a gym desk worker, like whatever the case is, when you stoop to that level, that, I mean, you, you kind of start to lose the argument as if... One, you ever had a shot at winning it, but two, you kind of start to lose credibility when you start, you know, that's that's kind of like a low blow, right? And uh, for most people that is, but, you know, the thing about me is like when somebody makes a comment like that, and it's okay because I, I, I meet people sometimes 
and they don't realize that they do it. But uh, when I say that I'm an Uber driver, they they kind of go, oh, and they look at you. And I just let that kind of energy roll off because, you know, I'm laughing about it. I go home and I laugh about it because if that's all they see, fine, fuck them, you know, because their ignorance is amusing to me. It's like, I'm going to let you stand there and be stupid and hope that somebody corrects you and lets you know and kind of kind of fills you in on everything else that we got going on around here, okay? Because I'm telling you, it's headed to some pretty cool places, but, you know, in their eyes, all I am is uh, an Uber driver. So it's like, yeah, well, we'll see who's laughing in a couple years, my friend. Have fun doing whatever the fuck you do. And you know what's also funny to me is that she even says it getting out of the car. She's like mad at herself, you know, for getting him in that situation. She's like, ah, I had to open my mouth. Here, listen to it again. So there you go. I mean, what else do you need? You know, there you go. No shit. Keep your fucking mouth shut. Okay. Now, listen, I'm really glad that it didn't get physical. Or that they didn't fuck with the car when they got out, slammed the doors, punched the monitors. I mean, it could have gotten pretty ugly, and I'm obviously outnumbered, okay? Three guys versus one. Individually, one-on-one, I'm probably going toe-to-toe with uh, easily two of the guys. And the guy who was talking the most, he was a little bit bigger, but you know what? I like my chances. I like my chances, my friend. So if we're really going to take it there, then I guess you better be prepared to accept the consequences of those decisions. And you better be willing to wager the same thing that I'm willing to wager if we go toe-to-toe because I guarantee you, you cannot endure more pain than me and you do not have as much rage built up inside of yourself than I do. So if you really want to go this route, I'm telling you, it's not going to end well for you. But, you know, you're an adult, you make your decisions, you live with those decisions. And hey, maybe you do, maybe you don't, okay? Maybe you do, maybe I leave you in a pool of your own fucking blood on the highway, you know what I mean? But I'm really, really glad that it didn't get to that point, because listen, here's the thing, like, yeah, 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 I, I don't need that, I don't need that shit, I don't want that shit, I'm saying that if pushed to that extreme, we can go there, But I want to avoid that at all costs. I want to try and talk it out. I want to try and distance myself from it ever getting to that point. Because I don't need that, you know? You're not worth the fucking lawsuit, man. That's what what it really boils down to me, is that you're not worth the lawsuit, dude. And I referenced it at the beginning. Jay-Z has a line from his verse in Pound Cake. And he says, yeah, still rock la familia. Says a lot about you if you're not feeling us. And it's like, man, there's almost been 1,600 people that have been in and out of this car, and I've never, ever, ever once had to end a ride early. Not one time. Statistically speaking, 99% of the time, I share a good conversation and have a really good ride with my riders, and we connect in some way. And the other 1% of the time, they either just don't want to talk or sometimes I don't want to talk. But 99% of the time, we're having a good conversation, and my Uber stats back that up. Go read the comments, bro. So congratulations. You are the very first dipshit that I've ever left on the side of the road. And you know what's sad is that I bet that guy would wear something like that as a badge of honor. Be like, yeah, 
I'm that one. It's like, that is such a fucking not flex, dude. You're a fucking loser. Now, I want to circle back to something else that I said at the beginning about the fact that they were leaving Z-Bar at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Easily the most lit night of the week to be at Z-Bar. I mean, I literally picked up a rush chair from one of the fraternities at UofL who was saying that their party nights revolve around Saturday nights at Z-Bar because they cannot compete with Z-Bar. So they don't schedule date parties or big house parties or any events where they're trying to get girls because they know that they cannot compete with Z-Bar on a Saturday night. And this group is leaving Z-Bar, the most lit spot in Louisville, on a Saturday night at 11 p.m. And I say this with the benefit of retrospect, obviously, because at the time when they're walking out, I'm not thinking much of it other than, wow, it's a pretty early time to be ending the night. Maybe they just wanted to hop around, whatever. But the more I think about it, I will bet any amount of money that the reason that these people left is because these dudes are the dudes who cannot dance and have a good time. If you've ever been at a bar or a nightclub or a festival, especially festivals, you get a lot of guys that are just there as an excuse to drink. I talked about this in the Columbus episodes when I was up at Breakaway. You'll get guys that go to festivals or concerts who are only there not because they're into the music or they're into the scene or they're into the energy or any of that. They're there as an excuse to drink and they sit there and they judge everybody else who's dancing, having a good time, and they just kind of stand there like too big and bad to be bothered by any of it. And it's just like, I pity you. I pity you that you go out and that's your move to kind of sit over there and flex your muscles and kind of just judge everybody else. And it just, you don't look like any fun at all, dude. And I feel bad for the people that bring people like that because it's like they go to have a good time and then they got a fucking Joe or a Brandon over here on their hands who just don't really vibe with the scene. And they just stand there looking really tense and uncomfortable and their body language sucks and their energy sucks and their vibe sucks. And it's just really like, I'm going in, but like, we all have seen those people if you've been in these scenes. And it's just like, I feel bad for their girlfriends. I feel bad for their friends who are into it. And uh, these are the guys that are just there to just drink and just judge people. And it's just like, dude, you look so stiff. You look so tense. I wish you could relax, but I'm going to go really far away from you because you're just a total fucking bummer to be around, dude. These are those guys. So I guarantee that they're in there at Z-Bar at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night, and these guys are like, dude, fuck this, and probably said and used homophobic slurs to describe the scene because it wasn't up to their standards and they couldn't wait to get to some honky-tonk bar and go crush some PBRs down on 4th Street Live. Like, that's honestly probably more their pace which is cool, you know? No disrespect towards that if that's your scene. But let that be your scene and enjoy it, right? And don't also go down there and be the guy that that also can't enjoy that scene, like if that is your scene, you know what I mean? Like enjoy it, but just, oh my God, man. Like I, I just, I pity, I, 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 you know, I pity the people that have to bring those people around. Get some new friends, man. Get some new friends. 
And after all this goes down, dude, my adrenaline is so jacked up because again, I, I like I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, I've never had to end a ride early. And there's some really tense confrontation going on in here. So I'm like, you know, not gonna back down from that and be firm and be like, guys, this is not what we're fucking doing. This is not the game that we're playing tonight, fellas. And my adrenaline is so jacked up, I get that fight or flight response. My cortisol levels are just like fucking skyrocketing. And I literally had to take the next two rides to talk it out with my riders. So the very next couple that got in after them, they were this very nice middle-aged couple from Indianapolis. And I literally told them the story and my mind was just racing and they were like, oh my God, oh my gosh. And I was just like, you know, at the end of it, I was like, thank you. I feel like uh, this was really what I needed. I feel like I just talked to like my parents or like some family friends and they were like, hey, we're happy to help. And they went on their way. And then I was still so amped up about it. The next rider that got in, she was, I, I was just like, I was blessed with like two really nice groups of people that I could talk with and just kind of like have some space to come down from that because the second rider that got in after them, was actually a spiritual healer and she offered to burn sage in the car to clear the negative energy but neither of us had a lighter so I was like no it's cool and I also don't know like really what sage smells like or how long it would stay in the car but I appreciated the fact that she was like oh uh uh-uh honey you got to get that shit up out of here and I'm like I know don't I know needless to say needless to say throughout all of this that the poor girl who called the ride I gave her a one star and I requested that we never be matched again. One star judgment on the low lifes you're stepping out with and surrounding yourself with and one star for not taking some control over the situation at any point because I guarantee you if I was in her shoes and my friends were fucking with the Uber driver or they were popping off, I would tell them, hey, chill out. This is my account. All right. Relax. Chill out. Even if it wasn't even me that called the ride, if my friend was sitting there doing that to an Uber driver or, 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 or anybody, I would be like, yo, chill, chill. Let's just calm down, okay? This person's giving us a ride. Let's just get home, relax, okay? Pump the fucking male ego thing, and let's just get there, okay? Don't fuck with my rating just because you've got a needle dick syndrome or unresolved masculinity issues or daddy issues and you walk around pissed off looking for a fight because you got something to prove, Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I should have rolled down the window and peeled off a couple ones and said, hey, find some new friends and buy yourself something nice. But in the meantime, lifetime ban. Lifetime ban. Now get the fuck out of here. Lifesaver. These are the rides that I just feel thankful that I'm able to create a safe space for people when they have a fight with their significant other or they get in and they say that they're having a bad day. Or like this woman who was left stranded on the side of the road and is almost out of breath when she gets in the car and tells me about how she was being held against her will and tells me by the end of the ride that I literally saved her life. That's a pretty cool moment. And I'm really honored. I'm honored that people, one, feel comfortable sharing with me and opening up to me. And I'm honored that I can be the one that if shit pops off, people count on to be there for them and listen and be like, yo, I got you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to get you out of danger. Whatever you need, I got you. I am that guy for a lot of different people. 
And even when my riders aren't necessarily calling me because that's what they need, sometimes they don't even realize that they need it, or in this case, she does need it, and she just gets me. And it's just like, I feel like that kind of stuff is meant to happen, you know? Like, I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I, I just, but sometimes I just feel like I'm in the right place at the right time for some of these people. And this is one of those times where I feel like that was the case. So I'm on my way to this request and I'm looking at this pickup location. And sometimes I'll get the pickup location as being like Gustavo's, you know, or Kroger or something where I know exactly what I'm looking for. And other times it's just an address. Well, I'm getting closer and closer to this address and I'm looking around like, where the hell could she be? Because this is Preston Highway and there's just highway rails on either side of the road and I'm thinking, okay, this has to be a mistake. Maybe she put the address in wrong or something. But then all of a sudden, as I pull right up to where it says to pick her up, I see this woman who's probably about 5'3". I'm not going to guess her weight, but she's very petite, okay? And the look on her face is equal parts distraught and disheveled. And she's on the phone when I pull up and she throws a bag in the trunk and she opens the door to get in and she says goodbye to whoever she's on the phone with and then she sits back in the seat, she throws her head back against the headrest and she shuts her eyes, she takes a quick breath and she says, hi. How's it going? Thank you. 
which was that she was gonna take you home no matter what. Yeah. So I'm like, how can you even do that? Like, I'm an adult. <laughs> I don't know you that good. <laughs> if I say I want to go home, I want to go home. <laughs> how long have you been here? I've been here for two months. Oh well. Yeah. But like my lifestyle here compared to over there, like I mean I don't, I can't get around. I'm always at home just babysitting the children. You know. Like I can't do this in Denver. I feel comfortable to catch the night rail. Everything's so close, you know. And here, like you need a car to get around. You need yeah. money. You need. I'm like it's not worth it. I'm just gonna go back to my hometown. <laughs> here for dude that's what we're here for man i'll protect any woman when it comes to that kind of shit and any man for that case as well but anybody anybody in that situation i'm gonna just i i just i don't know i'm just i'm used to that role i'm used to 
defending women in uh, cases of domestic abuse and domestic violence. And I just, it just comes natural. And, and that's some real talk too, by the way, is what I told her at the end is like, watch, this is going to be very important, watch how your boyfriend responds. Because if he takes the sister's side over yours, you need to walk away from that family. You need to get the fuck up out of there and save yourself years of your life that you might never get back because you're arguing with family and your home life is miserable and if it's going to be a lot of that shit, you know, the godmother of your child leaving you stranded on the side of the road when you're pregnant with said godchild, I mean, come on, man. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So I hope things get better for her. I hope that the boyfriend doesn't take the family's side. We don't know. We don't know. You know, we don't know how the boyfriend's going to react once she got back to Denver. But I can tell you right now, I would not want to be in the midst of that family long term. I would take the money and run. Run, sis. Get the hell out of there. The grumpy one. These two ladies get in, and I can tell right off the bat that one of them's kind of in a mood. Why are you always in a mood? But she's like the friend that teeters on the grumpy but hilarious. And I've got a friend like this, and he probably knows who he is listening to this, but every once in a while, he'd get in one of these moods where everything and everybody sucked, but from that grumpiness came this source of hilarity, and he would just throw hot ones and roast people left and right, and whenever he got in this mood... We were all kind of like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> and we knew we were just going to hear some epic roasts. So this is just like a three-minute clip. And as our conversation ranges from her being in a mood to retail therapy to vibrators and sex robots, one of the ladies says that she's been married for 14 years. And I ask, what's your secret? How do you keep things spicy? And the grumpy friend rips a zinger and everybody in the car erupts with laughter. Hey, Benjamin, I love your car. How are we doing? Good, how are you? The yeah. buttons. I like it. What kind of car is this? Hyundai Equus. Yeah, they're pretty nice. Are you ladies having a good night? No. Yes, we are. Why is she in a mood? I don't know. Because the tarp didn't come and it's cheaper. The, the what? The tarp. <laughs> Oh. I have a tart pass. I mean, <laughs> can, we, can we agree this is better than a tart? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's pockets. It's my second Uber of the day. It's what? My second Uber of the day. Just, we'll lift an Uber. But it's alright. We got our nails done. Alright. Yeah, we did. Oh, we got to eat. Where'd you go? Blackballs. Okay. In the Highlands. Nice. Just feeling yourselves today? Yeah. I feel better with my new shoes coming in the mail. <laughs> my new outfits. A retail therapy, huh? Yeah. Always. Got some outfits too. And my nails match it. That's a so plus. Yeah. Now you just need some dates. Somebody you have a good time with. I'll take Tay. I mean, I'll take I'll take Adonis. 
Just save the money on a date and buy a really good vibrator. Yeah. That's a thought. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's a thought. Or save money on a whole marriage period. <laughs> Ew, who wants to get married? Yeah, we ain't talking marriage. Right, you just skipped a whole... We're talking about my verse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd rather buy a sex robot than get married. Right. They stop having sex on her. <laughs> when you get married, is it true? No. I've been married 14 years. What's the secret? How do you keep things spicy? One of them gets locked up. <laughs> <laughs> to your relationship is so deep. I love that. She's the type one of them gets locked up. It's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It ain't true. Hey, we don't judge in this car. That's right. No, um, I don't know. Okay. You have to really care about the person you're with. And it just, it, it just, it's good. Don't get all emotional. I'm not. <laughs> we had a good day. <laughs> Stop with that. <laughs> we didn't go to jail. <laughs> yeah, we did it. <laughs> I, I, it's like when somebody says that's real talk in the car, it's almost like I wish there was a camera so that I could wink at it because I'm like, oh, man, if you only knew. <laughs> And she actually, uh, one of the one of the ladies actually, I gave them the show information, and so she liked the page on Facebook. And if she ends up listening to this episode, then she's going to hear herself on there. And as all of the stories, they're all anonymous. Okay, don't worry. But I also just love that the grumpy friend at the very end of that clip is like, "We didn't go to the jail." And it made me think about what some of that dialogue between these two might sound like in their relationship. So I also have another clip that, that we're going to play, just imagining what that might be like. Price. Baby, Price. we've been married 14 years. We don't been through it all. You don't been with me through the good times and the bad times. I'm willing to do anything for you. To show you that I'm still madly in love with you. And we still got that spark. So it don't matter if it's me. It don't matter if it's you. But one of us, we going to jail tonight. I'm ready to get things spicy. I love your ass. Get over here. Guess who's going to jail tonight? <laughs> Guess who's going to jail tonight? <laughs> Just imagine, just imagine your fucking dude or your chick shows up and just starts banging this and they're like, yo, I'm going to start banging you in a minute. Like, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with that boy? I don't know, man. I don't know. Why am I this way? I have no idea. <laughs> That song's a banger, by the way. That song's a banger, by the way. But, hey, if your relationship is lacking that little spark, maybe one of you should just play that song, get a little feisty. Maybe one of you should catch a charge and go see what that does for you. They say that distance makes the heart grow, so maybe put it to the test. I don't know. Take it from this 14-year successful relationship. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. I swear to God, I love it, man. All in good fun. All right. All in good fun. Process of elimination. Being around U of L's campus Saturday night, or being on any of these campuses that I've already been on, or that I'm planning to visit for the open mic sessions, which, by the way, trust me, we're working on something big, very big, to quote one of our former presidents. So stay tuned, okay? But I talk to a lot of people who really aren't sure about what they want to do once they're done with school. And the funny thing is, I talk to a lot of people that really aren't sure about what they want to do, ranging from student to 50-year-old. There's a lot of people that are just like, you know, I really just don't know. And I love those conversations. And I feel like the best thing that you can do when you're in that situation, but especially geared towards the students and, and people who have a little bit more time to take risks and figure some stuff out. If you're still there at like 50 years old and you're like, I really don't know what I want to do, uh, you know, that's a whole different conversation for another story. But in this one specifically, this one's geared towards some college students, okay? And when you're in that situation and you're about to graduate and you're like, well, I have no clue what I want to do with my life. The best thing that you can do is what I tell this writer right here and what I will elaborate on on the other side of this clip. So we're having this pretty good conversation about the Cards win and the football team and I had just picked this kid up from Churchill Downs. He was at Downs After Dark and Louisville Live and we're having a really good conversation about the Cards win and all that good stuff. And then it pivots when we start talking about school and I ask him, have you graduated already? So that's where this clip picks up with his answer to that question and the advice I give to him as someone who's a little bit unsure exactly which direction to go in. I got, I'm, I'm in my last semester right now. So when I transferred back from Miami of Ohio, like a lot of credits didn't come over. They uh, like didn't go towards any graduation requirements. So I got screwed there. So yeah, but finishing it out this semester and then look at the job hunt. What are you uh, studying? Marketing. Cool. And then entrepreneurship minor. Nice. Yeah, just trying to figure it out. I, I did marketing because it's so broad, and I'm honestly, I mean, I know a lot of people are in the same position as me. I just have no idea what I really want to do. Yeah. Which is tough. I mean, dude, so I talk to a lot of people about this, and I'm an entrepreneur myself, and I feel like the number one thing that you can start to do is just don't worry about finding the job that you're going to end up making your career for 20 years, 30 yeah, years. Exactly. Like, dude, just start doing stuff in sales and marketing or within your field that you're interested in, like whatever that is. And just be willing to go and do those jobs, move, move to new cities and take jobs. Yeah. And then through doing that, you might not like each each job or each position might not be exactly what you want to be doing but through the elimination of those things it's going to continue to bring you closer to where you want to be and that's great advice that'll be the most important thing dude. yeah so it kind of trails off there because i just keep going with some other things that uh were more relevant to him necessarily but what i'm talking about there is something that i think i picked up along the way and I read this book when I was, at some point, I think 2013, like right when I was kind of starting to take my very first internships, and I read this book called The Startup of You, and it's written by Reid Hoffman, who's the co-founder and chairman of LinkedIn, or at least he was the chairman at the time, and another entrepreneur named Ben Casnocha. And 
I think some of the things that they talked about in that book, like adapting your career plans as you change and people around you change and industries changing and the world fucking changes, COVID, you know, there's just a lot of things that happen. And it's okay, I think, having read this book, at least my takeaway is that it's okay to not have it exactly figured out. Because if you take the premise of that book and treat yourself and your life as a startup business and you start to think about how can I best position myself in this crazy world we live in. Well, I think that in doing that, your best bet is going to be to start to accumulate all different types of skills and knowledge nuggets and learn about different industries and learn what you like to do by learning what you don't like to do. I mean, I cannot I cannot put into words how <laughs> how how powerful it was for me to move out and do different jobs that I realized ultimately weren't mine. And you're like, "Oh man, that's so frustrating." You know, and it is. And when something doesn't work out and you have to move back across the country or take your life in a different direction, and you're kind of like, wow, did I just waste four years of my life, or three years of my life, or 10 years of my life telling everybody how serious I was about this stuff, and then poof, it's gone, and now I'm in a new direction? Like, am, am I the emperor with no clothes over here, you know? But, you know, I, I think you just got to push all that stuff aside, because there's really outside of like doctors and um, maybe accountants who study something in school and then know exactly that that's what they're going to be doing for the rest of their life. Like that's a really rare thing, okay? And that's cool if you have it. But for most of us who maybe graduate with just a general business degree or marketing degree, like we kind of know what we want to do, but we don't exactly have that path figured out yet. And my advice to that person or people is just what I was telling this writer here. Do everything you can. And, you know, it's it's like I, I think there's there 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 used to be this really old way of looking at somebody's resume and this old line of thinking where if you saw that somebody had a bunch of different jobs, somebody would go, Oh, I don't want to hire this person because are they going to stick around or are they just going to continue to bounce around, bounce around, bounce around? There's a way to talk through that when it comes up and you're in an interview and they're looking at your resume and if that's your resume and you've been bouncing around, now look, six months here and there, come on, maybe one time, that's okay, but if you're at places for two to three years each and then you moved on, like I, don't, I wouldn't worry about that. Because to me, if I was hiring that person, that would demonstrate, oh, wow, this person has figured some stuff out through figuring out what wasn't for them. I don't see that as a negative. I don't see that as a bad thing. Baby boomers will tell you, well, you're supposed to get to a, a, a reputable company like IBM and you do your match and you get your pension and you stay there for 50 years and you retire in Boca. And it's like, dude, fuck all that bullshit, okay? Here is what we're preaching today is that go and fail. 
and don't be afraid to fail. Don't look at it as, wow, I tried this job and I ended up not getting the corner office and I didn't even make it to Christmas. Now, maybe if you didn't make it to Christmas, that's not what we're going for here. But like my point is, it's okay to try different things and go, ah, not for me. And through doing that, through that process of elimination, it's only going to bring you closer ultimately to where you want to go. You might not have that figured out yet, but with each move that you make along those lines, it's going to continue to pull you closer to that ultimate destination. And you know what? You'll, you'll find out that you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Good or bad. Good or bad. And another thing, what's even more valuable than that is all of the skills and techniques and habits and nuggets of knowledge that you're going to acquire throughout that journey. I mean, if I start to go and look at my resume and I think about what I'm doing now, what I'm doing now is an accumulation of all of these little skills that I picked up along the way going back from internship to internship to job opportunity to job opportunity. And I can literally sit there and look at my resume and go, you know what? I learned how to do this because I was doing this. I learned how to cold call somebody and give a presentation to a room of people that I have no clue who they are. All I know is that they're smarter than me is because I had to learn material and then go into all these different architecture offices in in San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland, and Sacramento and educate these people on AIA presentations of designing spaces for music acoustics and a bunch of technical shit, but I had to learn that and be good at giving that presentation and be interesting, by the way, which I was. And those were, you know what, those were ended up being like my favorite part of anything I did in California probably was those lunch and learns, which tells you everything you need to know about me and just wanting to present and do some storytelling up there. But I loved that. And now when I think about walking up to people on the Beltline or walking up to people after a breakaway festival or pitching people just at random. It's like, oh, because I had to get really comfortable walking into these rooms and pitching my product or my knowledge or my company. I had to do that. And when I think about why I'm so good at connecting with people, even though they're probably people that their friends would describe as grumpy or negative, you know, I still reach those people and people are amazed that I'm able to reach those people. Okay. And the reason that I'm good at that is because by and large, when I was selling wine and spirits in the Bay area, I was calling on guys and girls, not many girls, but most of these liquor managers Look, they work at grocery stores, and a lot of them have different circumstances than myself. They got kids, they got bills, they work early hours at the grocery store, and by and large, a lot of them weren't very pleasant people. They weren't very happy people, okay? No judgment, but it's just the way it was. And so I had to figure out, how can I be Mr. Optimistic showing up at 4 a.m. to help them pitch their load and try and crack a smile on these people's faces. How can I reach them and how can I not piss them off with who I am being all bright and bushy-tailed this early in the morning and to the point where they still want to work with me and they still want to buy from me and I'm fucking dominating their floor space with all of my liquor products, okay? 
I had to like learn how to reach that type of person. And it was very difficult. And I faced many challenges along the way. Sometimes you're in good with somebody and then you're not. And you got to work to get back to what you initially had. And it's very hard. But you know what? Doing that really made me well-equipped for going into any room and giving me the confidence like it doesn't matter if we start from a, a place of them telling me that they hate my company, they hate my product, they hate what I'm selling, they hate me, they hate the tie that I'm wearing, or let's be honest, at this point, I, I don't even wear ties. I wear Nike shorts pretty much everywhere I go. So they just hate me. I don't know, you know? It's like, okay, how can we still find a way to move forward? Well, I did that because I learned that stuff. I learned how to do that, right? Um, going back to other internships, like I can, I can sit here and go on and on and on, but my point is I can look back at all of these different experiences and say, hey, I learned how to do this, doing this job, and even though my future is not in musical education sales, things that I learned during that time with that company serve me here today, and my whole point with any of this stuff, for any entrepreneur or any student that's about to graduate that doesn't really have it all figured out yet, it's fine. Go and take different job opportunities. Go become a jack of all trades. And in doing that, you're going to acquire skills and habits that are going to serve you long term. Because along the way, you're going to be learning how to do things. You're going to be asked to do things, different things, wear many different hats, learn them, learn how to get good at them, okay? Learn how not to suck. That there's, there's learning how to be good, and then there's also learning how not to be good, okay? So learn both of those things. They are very different. And then eventually, when you do find your thing, you're gonna be sitting there so ready for that opportunity and knowing exactly what to do because then it's just fitting all these different puzzle pieces together in a way that, serves you and what you're doing and what you're trying to do and makes you the perfect candidate for that role. You know, you've basically assembled yourself. You built yourself through doing these different things. And when that opportunity finally comes to you, when you have that aha moment and you're ready to start your own business or you're ready to start leveraging relationships with people so that you can get the things that you need in order to get your thing off the ground, once you reach that point, you're going to be like, all right, I know what to do now. So that isn't going to come in a textbook, and it's not necessarily going to come all in one stop when you go to one of these jobs. But through that process of elimination, you're going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be. And when it's your moment, and when you know what that moment is, it'll be abundantly clear to you, and then you'll be like, all right, I'm going to rock this bit. I'm going to rock this bit, all right? And then go do it. Go do it. Go do it. All right, here's some quickies. We've got three of these, and this first one's called Blow Em. So a couple guys were in the car, and I was telling them about the podcast, and one of the guys was thinking of ways that he could make it onto the show and asking about some of the craziest stories and thinking out loud how he could top them. So I casually tossed out a suggestion that would have definitely taken the cake. Shit. Now I want to do something crazy. I want to be on the top. You can blow them. <laughs> pretty fucking crazy. I'm not. Let's play chess. I got something else. I got something else. 
play chess. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know. All right, this next one's called Will It Burn? So this actually wasn't even my writer that the story's about. This was a random dude that I saw struggling in a gas station parking lot late one night. We were stopped because my rider had requested the stop along his trip, and we were talking and vibing, and he was a hella cool dude, and he needed to go to the gas station for something. So when we get to this gas station, I park at the pump, and he runs in, and as I'm sitting there waiting, I notice this dude off to my left, and he is like bugging out. You know the face you make when you eat like a lemon warhead and your eyes water and your mouth puckers up and you look like the little dude on the wrapper? He's kind of making one of these faces, but he's rubbing his eyes with his shirt. And then I watch this go on for like a couple minutes. And by the time my rider is walking back out to the car, this dude is starting to pour a water bottle straight into his eye. I'm like, what the fuck? So I roll the window down and I'm like, hey, do you want eye drops? And he's like, yeah. So you're going to hear him come over and he uses them. So I get the assist, you know, look at me just throwing these dime passes all over the city, man. I'm telling you what, but these are rotos. And if you've never used rotos, if you're not a smoker or a masochist, then you probably never used rotos or maybe even heard of them. But boy, they pack a punch. Clearly, I live for pain, so that's why I just keep the motherfucking things on me, okay? But my rider, who was obviously a smoker as well, gets a really big kick out of watching this guy who's never used them, and we just crack up after we pull off. Hey, do you want eye drops? Yeah. What'd you do? You know, I was There you go. Yeah, and then just hold it up and. Right in. Yeah. No, it'll feel good. It'll wash it out. Yeah. Roll your eye around when it's when your eyes close. Close your eyes and roll your eyes around. They got in the other one. This stuff was peeling and got in his eyes. And I was watching this dude, it looked like he was fucking having a, I don't know what, a seizure or something. And he's pouring water bottles in his eyes. <laughs> I keep those rotos in the car. Like. You said rotos? Yeah. Oh, bro, you fucking love. He never had eye drops before. <laughs> Damn, he didn't expect that, I guarantee. No. <laughs> It's like the kid that asks his mom, okay, mom, is this going to hurt? And if you're the mom, what are you going to say? 
You know, you just got to tell your child no, knowing damn well it's not going to tickle, but it's what's best for them, and eventually they'll feel better. I hope he did, anyways. <laughs> and this last one is called Nickname Daps. So I scooped this girl up from work, and we spent the ride talking, and it was a really good ride. And then towards the end, she gave me one of the best compliments I've ever received. She was gassing me, dude. She was straight gassing me, and I was like, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. So she said, what year is your car, man? And I said, 2014. She said, it's nice. I said, thank you. It's a hit. It's a hit with people. And then she says this. Yeah, I was reading the comments. Really? Yeah, a lot of people like your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. One person called you Benny T. That's what my friends call me. Oh. I was like, hell yeah. This guy's probably cool. He's got a nickname like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know if you could hear it in that clip, but I think my head actually got so big that it hit the fucking ceiling when she said that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, what a nice thing to hear, you know? What a nice thing to hear. My riders are the best, man. Listen to the way that they just encourage me. They love me. They gas me up. And what she's talking about is the reviews that show up when, uh, you know, if somebody... If I'm on my way to somebody, it says Ben is your Uber driver, Ben is arriving, and then you can look at their rating and you can look at the comments that people leave. And people leave reviews on my Uber page just like people leave reviews on my podcast page. And people look at that stuff. So it's really cool, it's really helpful. So if you have not left a comment or a rating and a review on my Apple podcast page, then please go ahead and do that because people look at it. But that's what she's talking about. She's like, yeah, I was reading the comments before you pulled up. And and she's like one of many people who have said something along those lines when uh, when they get in. And they're like, yeah, I was reading the comments. Wow. It's like, hey, <laughs> you know, like, come, I uh, come highly recommended. But um, wow, I don't know if I've ever heard anything as nice as that. Uh, uh, that one, that one's really like, Listen, I don't know if you could hear it then, but I think my head just got big enough to where it hit the top of the studio walls. <laughs> those are good. Those are some quickies. So, uh, yeah, man, I hope you enjoyed listening to those ones half as much as I enjoyed retelling those. <laughs> Whiskey Lullaby. I named this story after the saddest country song that I know. Now, you guys know that I'm from Kentucky, right? And even though Louisville, Kentucky is a big city, and anybody that is not from Kentucky and not from this kind of Midwest slash South region, you know, when I would meet people out in California, they expected me to pull up on a John Deere tractor or some shit, you know? And I'm like, no, guys, you should go there sometime. The people are pretty great. Most of them. There's some really disgusting parts of the state that we're not going to talk about or address right now, but by and large, there's some really, really great people in Kentucky. But being from Kentucky, I do have some country boy aspects in me in that I've got a country playlist in my iPhone. That's about as the, the, the extent of my country boy-ness, okay? But Whiskey Lullaby is one of the saddest country songs I think I've ever heard in my life. And there's like this old joke that uh, if you've got God, 
your dog died and you're drinking beer, then congratulations, you've just written a country song, right? Like these are some things about Kentucky that we know that exist. And so that's why this story is named Whiskey Lullaby, because start to finish, this story continues to get sadder and sadder and sadder as it unfolds. I mean, this thing start to finish unfolds like a country ballad. I mean, we got dogs dying, cars crashing, custody battles, jail sentences, There's a lot going on here. But through Wayne sharing his story and being at a loss on what to do when it comes to his daughters, I give him some really good advice that I think any parent who's got a strained or a distant relationship with their children, for whatever reason, can benefit from hearing. He doesn't waste any time getting into it either, so neither are we. Let's roll the tape. What up, Wayne? Hey, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Oh, man. Oh, I got this. Broke leg here. What? I just wrecked my, my Mustang. Broke my leg. I've had bad luck with it. What did you say? Oh, it's pretty swelled up. Well, hey, I got bit by my dog too. See how swelled up it is? Oh my fucking God. This is the dog bite from four months ago. And it just took forever to heal. I had 68 stitches in my calf. Damn. And uh, Friday, I wrecked my Mustang. Totaled it. And I was on the highway and my tie rod in broke. And it just slammed me into the wall. Fuck, oh, man. Yeah, and my truck, it's uh, in the shop, transmission. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'm having some bad luck. Well, hopefully it won't stay that way. It'll turn around. Yeah. What, uh, it's been rough. What, uh, are you, can, do you have health insurance? Are you going to go to the hospital? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, they had a, a little cheap cast on here, and I cut it off today. It was, it wasn't even like they did a strip up the sides, like this thick. Uh-huh. Like that, and they had a strip up the sides, and then a strip up the back, and then they wrapped it with ace bandage. And they said they wanted to keep me overnight for observation for my back. And I'm like, yeah, my back's fine, my legs, my neck was a little sore. But yeah, I got a. I have health insurance. That's good. I just, I've been off work for this dog bite for, you know, four months. I just now got back to work. <laughs> it's like, man. My girlfriend, she lives out here in Bullock County, and she's, uh, she's not feeling too good, so go out here and hang out with her for a while. Well, that's good. You guys will be good for each other. I laughed out loud listening to my reaction when he shows me that leg because beyond how swollen it is, it literally looks like this dude lived through a shark attack. I asked him if it hurt, and he was like, hell yeah, it's pretty rough taking ibuprofen for a broken leg. He said that because of some history of prescription pain pill abuse, he won't take pain pills anymore. He said he's got a family history of addiction and alcoholism, and he knows where that road leads, and he's not going to go down there again. I said, well, it's good that you have the strength and the wherewithal to avoid going down that path again. I know that's not easy. And those opiates, man, they're scary because they'll make an addict out of anybody. He said, yeah, those benzos are bad too, man. And then he went into another heartbreak of a story. Let's roll that tape. I lost nine years of my life for something that I don't think I'm going. Xanax? Xanax and whiskey. Uh, I woke up with uh, two robberies and assault. Uh, times from 2010 to 2019. 
that. Yeah, my first felony. First time ever in trouble. This gets complicated for people to understand sometimes. They're like, yo, how can you sit there and be sympathetic to somebody who just admitted to committing a robbery and beating a dude up with a knife? That's a good question. And I'll answer that after this clip because it actually gets worse. But you know, I was really looking at 40 or 50 years. Uh, one first degree robbery carries 10 to 20 years. And I had two of them because when I was leaving the liquor store, Not great. So, how can I be sympathetic to a criminal? Well, for starters, who am I to judge? I mean, really, who am I to judge? And really, who are you to judge? The man was already convicted by a jury of his peers. You just heard him say it. That he did his entire 30s behind bars. So he served his time. And he's not talking about actively being caught up in that life. He's reflecting back on mistakes that he's made. And I really try to meet people where they're at. We all have things in our past that we're not proud of. 
some that are criminal, some that aren't. And those of you saying, well, I've never been a criminal. Well, maybe that's just because you've never been caught. Okay? Is it because you're a perfect angel or is it because that you haven't been caught? Maybe yet for some of you. Okay? But if the truth came to light and we all took turns confessing our sins, I bet there'd be a lot of shit out there that none of us would be proud of and that we would want to move on from and that we've made steps to move on from. If somebody gets in and they're respectful and they're contrite and they speak to me with remorse in their tone like I think he was speaking to me with, who am I to withhold sympathy from that person? Who are you to do the same? Go back to one of the golden rules. Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. I know if I ever had something like that in my past where I went to jail for a decade that if I met anybody, I would want them to judge me based on my interaction with them at that moment and judge my character as it exists then and there rather than based off of my biggest fuck-ups in life. That's how I look at it. Now, of course, there's some fucking moron out there listening to this going, well, Benny T, what if Hitler got in your car and acted super friendly towards you? What then? Okay, look. There's always exceptions and outliers, guys. Come on. I mean, serial killers, rapists, people who hurt women and animals, Gabby Petito's boyfriend, people who steal money from people like Bernie Madoff did. If you fuck people over and you are evil, then fuck off and die. I hope they give you the chair, you know? But take this guy talking about his first felony ever and everything that he lost through that And I'm still willing to give him a chance as a human being based off of his interaction with me. And if I feel like there's regret in his heart before I write him off and make a judgment one way or the other, then I'm going to acknowledge that and be like, you know what? People make mistakes. Guy sounds like he kind of learned his lesson and lost everything in the process. Okay? We'll get to that. Because as we get to his eventual destination, he says... Man, my older daughter was 10 years old and my youngest daughter was four years old when I went in and I miss so much that I can't ever get back. And my daughter, she still really don't talk to me much anymore. She's still mad at me. And the younger daughter is living with her grandparents who, according to Wayne, have way more money and buy her love and he says that he just can't compete with that. So he wraps up his thoughts here and then I give him some life advice that I think any parent who's in his shoes could benefit from hearing. something that that maybe would make a difference is if you try to write a letter write a letter to both of the daughters and make them individual and different and appeal to both of your daughters but 
write a letter so it, it's you know you took the time to find the words and choose them to put down on that paper and just explain to them that you fucked up that you're never going to be able to, to to give them those memories and and that you feel heartbroken that you're you missed out on all those things too watching them grow up and watching them navigate those chapters of their life but just make make a promise and a pledge to them that if they're willing to allow you the opportunity to come back into their life and be their dad again from here on out that you'll make it up to them over time you'll show them that you're for real and you're serious about it and you'll make up every day moving forward and prove to them why you deserve this opportunity to win their love back that's a good idea thank you I know it's a good idea I just said it, you know? <laughs> but I think, in all honesty and joking aside, that that's some pretty sound advice right there. And you got to know that you're at the mercy of your children. Whatever they're willing to give you, you got to take it and make the most out of it. It doesn't matter how small of a start it is. If they're open to it and they're willing to have that discussion with you after they read your letter, then that's a major win. And you know what? Maybe it goes somewhere. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's all they needed for their healing process and then you don't hear from them for another 10 years until they're ready to let you in or who knows if that day ever comes. But if you can get your message to them and you know that they received it, then that's it, man. That's it. The best thing that you can do is just let them know you're sorry, that you are interested in a relationship and you're willing to meet whatever terms they offer you. And in their own time, you got to be patient and you got to be grateful for what they give you. And you just make the most out of that and try to make it up. That's the best thing you can do, man. Just get them the information and then get the hell out of the way. And whatever will be, will be. Now, this is really why you should start following me on TikTok if you aren't already. So that you can see videos like this when I post them. But this was the TikTok that we took when we pulled up to his girlfriend's house. And if you want to see that video at BennyTomp18 on TikTok. All right, this is Wayne. Wayne's gonna show us his uh, his dog and his broken leg and the dog that bit him. This is the dog right there. And then dog, and that's four months ago. How many stitches? 68. And it, it goes all the way around there. And I broke my broke my ankle and my car wreck Friday. It's all swelled up. God. As you can see, it's, uh, it had two big chunks missing there that's why it took it so long to heal up yeah it's swollen as shit i fought with him for about 12 minutes my girlfriend pulled her gun out and was like you want me to shoot him and i said no i love this dog <laughs> and i fought with him for 12 minutes till i was soaking wet i couldn't breathe i was exhausted and finally i could feel my calf starting to come off and i said give me the gun and i had to put him down damn broke my heart that breaks my heart that broke my heart man he slept with me every night that she wasn't there. He slept in her. And, uh, right. Never showed no aggression. Tell him, uh, tell the camera, I ride with Benny T. I ride with Benny T. Yeah, baby. That's right. Much love. God, it literally gets sadder and sadder. I didn't know until we took that TikTok that that's what happened to the dog. I had no idea that he had to put his dog down. And it's just like every time he continues talking to me. I get a more sad story. I get a more sad story. So, but you know what? I I chose to end this episode with that 
because I think my advice to him is really good advice. I, I, that's exactly being, look, being a kid who has dealt with absentee parenting and divorce and neglect and abuse and all the above, okay? There are certain ways that I have dealt with it that I'm proud of myself for having dealt with it. There are other ways that I'm not necessarily proud of the way that I handled things. But you know what? At the same time, I was a kid. I was 13 years old when my dad left. And uh, ever since then, we have a strained relationship. And I just, I'm speaking from a place of if I were in my dad's shoes, how would I have handled that strain as a parent? And I, of course, have the retrospect in looking at good and bad ways to have handled it and what I would do differently. And, um, you know, what are parents for but not to teach us all the ways to not fuck up? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, But I, but I, I, I really, you know, uh, I mentioned it because in that clip you hear me talk about, look, the fact that whether you go to jail or whether you're in the military or whether you are a breadwinning parent and you're constantly traveling, if you're a truck driver or if you're a salesperson and you manage a large region, like you're probably gone a lot and your kid doesn't really understand why you're gone. They just see mom or dad being gone. You're missing big seminal moments in the kid's life and you're having to get these updates of, oh, their tooth fell out and oh we rode a bike today and oh I got my first F in school you know <laughs> like all that kind of good stuff you know you miss a lot of that when you're not there and uh, a child doesn't really understand that a child doesn't understand that there's really not a difference to them what you did or why you're not there it's just the fact that you're not there so how do you mend that how do you make up for that you know you really can't make up for lost time but you can just try and be around. I think about, dude, want to talk about OGs? Jake Shuttlesworth coming back into Jesus' life. Now, you want to talk about a Jesus that I do love? It's Jesus Shuttlesworth, baby. Okay, but Jake had to really fight that and come back into his son's life and be like, look, man, I ain't trying to be your daddy. I ain't trying to tell you all the things that, uh, you know, a dad should tell you, but look, there's some really big decisions that you're about to make in your life and I'm just here to try and make sure that you don't make the wrong ones. Sometimes that's it, man. All that guy had was a pair of shoes and the little fluffy thing for his sister, you know? Great movie, great movie. He got game, for those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But that's what it is. And um, I hope that after all of that heartbreak and tragedy in this whiskey lullaby-ish whiskey lullaby-esque country ballad that we just heard that things do start to turn around for him, like I said, and that if he writes those letters that maybe, not immediately, but in due time, his daughters might be willing to give him another chance, and once he gets that chance, just don't fuck it up, Wayne. Just don't fuck it up. Keep your word. Be who you say you're going to be, and know that you're not going to make it all up in a weekend or a lunch, but through being consistent and showing up and being who you say you're going to be, then maybe you can earn that trust back and start to get some more shots with your daughters.
I wish you the best, my friend. All right, guys, that's it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did and you have not done this already, please, I'm trying to get these numbers up. It takes two seconds to do. Please, please, please drop me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. People look at that stuff. It helps. I look at that stuff. It feels good, you know, when you read a comment that somebody took the time to find the words to tell you about how much they appreciate a segment or a story or what you're doing or anything. That stuff is really cool. And uh, shout out to everybody that's done that already. If you haven't, please. It, it really is uh, something that takes a little bit of your time, but it pays off in a big, big way. So do that. I will be back next week. We are going to have more Uber stories. We'll have Uber stories part 35. Stay tuned for some big announcements coming up. Go check out the videos that are on YouTube from uh, the open mic sessions at Ohio State. Those are all up and available on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button and tell all your loved ones that you love them. You know, If you are being that bummy friend, reach out and tell your people that you love them. Let your people know that you still are thinking about them and that they matter to you. Do that. Because it might save a friendship. You never know. You never know. All right, guys. That's it. I'm out. I will talk to you next week. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.